Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Welcome. Today we're going to be talking about Tik Nakhon. This is a real extraordinary man, and I feel like there is a a large part of the world who is aware and knows of his existence, but I feel like not enough people do. And so it's one of the reasons why it really meant a lot to me to do this episode, especially in light of some of the fears we may have with conflict that's happening in Iran right now. Yeah. And with the fear that it's implemented into society and people are worried that a war is going to start. We were going to talk about him anyway. And then yeah. all that happened and we thought, wow, perfect timing. He was a peace activist. He mm-hmm. is a peace activist. He is still alive. Yes. And he was first introduced to America because of war. He was born in Vietnam in 1926. His first name, Tick, it means the Buddha. Does it really? It does. Awesome. And then Not Han means one action. Oh, I like that. I do also know that he's also known by the name Tai, mm-hmm. which means teacher. Yeah. I was listening to an interview and this kid, this little boy gets up and asks him, what does your name mean? And that's what he said, the Buddha and then for tick and then one action. And the the kid said, well, what's your one action? And he said, well, it took me a long time to figure out my one action. But he said his one action, his one purpose was to take care of other people and love other people. That is so Thich Nhat Hanh for you. Mm-hmm. But this man is brilliant. He's yeah. a very smart He's person. Very smart. He speaks French, Chinese, Sanskrit, Japanese, English. Just an intelligent man. He started a school in Vietnam that was a group of peacemakers that were going and helping like rebuild villages and during the Vietnam War. Yeah. It was the School of Youth for Social Services, the SYSS, and it was just a bunch of Buddhist peace workers who went into rural areas and helped build schools and villages. So he did a lot of good there. And then he came to the United States where in 1961 he was asked to be a teacher of comparative religion at Princeton University. An honor. Yeah, big honor. And in 1963, he returned to Vietnam and taught Buddhist psychology. And it's funny because I never, ever even think about religion when I think of him. I think of him as like a teacher of love. You know, if you listen to just his voice, you instantly feel love. You can't help but just feel like it's surrounding you. You know, even Oprah, when she interviewed him. She said, wow, I feel affected by your presence. Yeah. His presence is so powerful, but like uh, in a very I wish I knew. <laughs> calm way. I wish yeah. I knew his presence. Yeah. You know, what's amazing is that it, when you listen to him, he is so mindful in, with his words. So someone will ask him a question and he doesn't just jump to answer. No. He sits very quietly reflecting on the question and then he gives a very very calm you could feel the intention behind each word yeah and just his his thoughts are so carefully laid out he pauses 
he really inspires me. I, and I do know that this was part of what he learned and practiced for many years. He went to school to learn to be a Zen master. Mm -hmm. And so Oprah said one time, like, when you travel and your plane's late and you're running late, how, you know, how do you stay calm or how do you feel? And he said, I just continue to practice every day. He has said that so many times, and I do truly believe this. You can practice many forms of religions and not actually take the religion. So like meditation is a practice. Gratitude is a practice. I mean, everything is really a practice. Everything can be a practice. Everything. Truly. I didn't know if some of the practices that I was practicing were aligned with Jesus and mm -hmm. what he taught. And when I was one day listening to, I believe it was Oprah, and she had Thich Nhat Hanh on, and she said that she has this book next to her bed. And, and she'll never, never remove it. And she'll never <laughs> remove it. Living Buddha, Living Christ by Thich Nhat Hanh. And so I decided to buy this book and read it. This book is about Thich Nhat Hanh, a Buddhist Zen master, who decides to read the Bible because he said so many of his friends were Christians. And he said, I want to understand what it is that makes their faith so strong. And so he read the Bible. He goes through the Bible and he realizes, my gosh, they, they were teaching the same thing. And in fact, many of the quotes of Buddha and of Jesus are almost identical. At the very beginning of the book, he said he thinks it would be a travesty if a Christian read this book and decided not to be a Christian. But that was never his intention. And so he did not write this book to make anybody a Buddhist. No. So, and I did not become a Buddhist after reading this. <laughs> I love how much he respects yeah. other religions. Mm -hmm. And he took time to study so many of them. Mm -hmm. And he respects them and he loves Jesus. And now he has pictures of Jesus in his living room. <laughs> yeah, he always says that there's a lot to be learned from Christians. Well, and he firmly believes that Jesus himself was a Buddha. And a Buddha is just someone who is enlightened. And there are many different kind of Buddhas. Mm -hmm. He had said he compared Martin Luther King mm -hmm. to a Buddha Safa, which is a Buddha, um, an enlightened one. And around 1965 is when he had sent a letter to Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. And he was reaching out to Martin Luther King about the Vietnam War explaining to him about the sacrifices of the Buddhist monks that were lighting themselves on fire mm -hmm. in the middle of the streets to protest against the war in the streets of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And and then he went and, and met with him. He met with him in 1966 and asked him face-to-face -face if he would publicly denounce the Vietnam War. And Dr. King honored that and gave the speech that is known as Time to Break Silence. And shortly after that was when Martin Luther King nominated him for the Nobel Peace Prize. And Dr. King said about him, he said, I do not personally know of anyone more worthy of this prize than this gentle monk from Vietnam. His ideas of peace, if applied, would build a monument to this world. It would add to the world of brotherhood and to humanity. I mean, what a freaking honor, right? And if you think about those times, you've got two totally different people 
from two totally different cultures, mm -hmm. from two totally different countries who speak a different language, different religions. Yeah. And they came together as one and saw the the damage to humanity. Oh yeah. And and loved each other and both thought that each other were enlightened. Yeah. And what did he say uh, about Martin Luther King's assassination? Oh my god, that he couldn't preserve him. That, that he couldn't preserve him. Oh yeah. my god. And he did say he felt a little bit of anger when he lost, you know, yeah. Martin. it's a beautiful story it actually. Is. The Dalai Lama had said about Tiknakan he shows us the connection between personal inner peace and peace on earth. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's exactly what he wanted. He saw what effects the Vietnam War had had on people. And he decided that he wanted to build this spiritual community to go out and help people not only heal, but to help in a peaceful way to provide solutions yeah the country of vietnam did not like this no they did not so no. much so that they told him that that he had to get the f out yeah they basically kicked his ass out he had to leave his sister behind to take care of syss and she actually was bullied and they called her a communist and they were attacking you know that that group of buddhist peacemakers he was banished from his country 75 yeah was when he was denied to return home and so he moved to france and that's where he built a what seems to be a very beautiful life for himself and he was part of the plum village monastery and he was there for many, many years. He actually didn't return home to Vietnam until 2005. You know, Plum Village was just the beginning, too, because when he went to France, you know, started this community of engaged Buddhism there. It basically started opening all these other sister organizations in France. It also continued on. There's the Blue Cliff Monastery in Pinebush. New York, the Community of Mindful Living, the uh, Deer Park Monastery in California, Magnolia Grove Monastery in Mississippi. Oh, I mean, so, I mean, there's one in Germany. Uh, this just started kind of a chain reaction of these sister monasteries that all over the world. And what I love about these places is every, I think, half an hour, you will hear this chime The simple sound of this bell that is rang every 30 minutes to help remain focused on minding the mind and keep coming back to your breath. Usually what he says is breathing in, I calm my body, breathing out, I smile, dwelling in the present moment, I know this is a wonderful moment. He has so many books. Like, oh my God, over 100. And guess books. what? I printed it out and Kurt is going to be so mad at me that I used all this. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I want to make it a goal to read every single one in my life. Yeah. So I printed this out and I'm going to check them off as I listen or read them. Yeah. Because I mean, they are so amazing. I mean, they're so amazing. There's the one, of course, that Shanna mentioned, the Living Buddha living christ mm -hmm. there's the mindfulness as medicine there is the miracle of mindfulness 
There is the Mindfulness Survival Kit. No mud, no lotus. There is One Buddha is Not Enough. (laughs) (laughs) There is... Oh my God, there's just so many. and there was another one that he made about Jesus as well. I think it's called like Buddha and Jesus or Brothers or something. It is. I love this one. The Love Letter to the Planet. Oh my God. He says every breath. I mean, there is so many beautiful books that this man has written. Uh, Sacred Places. There is, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What are some of your other favorites? So just, I brought some of my, of my books with me. Some of my most favorite, gosh, they're not that big. I mean, they only have a hundred or so pages. I bought this little set and this set is called How to Live by Thich Nhat Hanh. This one is How to Walk. Okay. This one is How to Love. Oh. How to Sit. Oh. And How to Eat. And I actually bought one for Jamie, bought him How to Fight. Mm. because he's he would sit there and he read all of these books um like on sunday i would just leave them all right next to where he sits and watch football and every <laughs> once in a while i'd pick one up and he was like what do you mean how to eat what you, like i know how to eat what's this guy gonna tell me about eating well let me just tell you it actually inspired jamie to suggest to us that we have one night of mindful eating and it was very interesting because ever since we did that, it's just something that naturally happens now. I guess I rewired my brain. I always think about my food mindfully every time I'm eating it. Way so explain that mouth. to our listeners. How do you start it and what do you do? Yeah. So, you know, what do you smell? You know, what do you feel? What do you taste? Um, how does it feel going down? Where did this food come from? Who picked this food? You know, who put it on the shelf? Um, who planted it, you know, um, what animal did it come from? I can thank the animal. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things you can be mindful about when you're eating. I'll tell you what, you'll be very aware that some of the things we eat is not very pleasant mm-hmm. once you start being mindful mm-hmm. to your eating. You'll also realize that, Maybe that's you why know what? Thich Nhat a vegetarian. Yeah, oh yeah, all Buddhists are. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> also, you'll think about who prepared this food for you. You're just a little bit more thankful. You'll find that you have gratitude. Most likely, you won't even be able to finish your food because you're mindful when your body is then full. You will be um, waiting for everybody else to kind of finish. And in that time, just reflecting. So it not only causes you to be mindful, but it slows you down. Yeah. It uh, probably actually you find that you don't need as much. Right. Because like said, it takes yeah. 20 minutes. You're mindful yeah. when you're full. Yeah. That's beautiful. So what is how to sit? Like, I'm just curious. Does everyone know how to sit? Sure. I'll just read a very short one. Okay. It's sitting with our spiritual ancestors. When you sit, you are sitting with your blood ancestors, but you are also sitting with your spiritual ancestors as well. Your spiritual ancestors are also part of you. You can invite those who inspire you. You can invite Moses, Jesus, or even Muhammad to breathe in with you and enjoy breathing. They are also in every one of your cells. So just that's one of the ways how you can sit is just sitting and breathing in your ancestors. And as you see, he even mentions 
you know, other ascended masters like Moses, Jesus, Muhammad. Mm. I think for him, it is not so important of, I want you to be a Buddhist and believe what I believe. He's just seriously about connecting with your soul. He calls it his interbeing, just enjoying the present moment. Mm-hmm. And that's what Thich Nhat Hanh is about. So much to learn from so this that's, man. Yeah, that's how you sit. <laughs> that's how you sit. That's how you walk. That's how... How to love. I watched an interview yesterday where these students all asked him questions. Mm-hmm. And one said, how do I stop from being lazy? And he said, of course, he paused for like five whole minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, why would you want to not be lazy? Everyone needs to be more lazy. Oh, wow. Don't stop being lazy. It was funny. I mean, he said it obviously much better than that. But I thought, you know, we've given lazy such a negative we have and And we made it a negative word just like deepak said he said it's the law of least effort do less achieve more and then graduate to do nothing and achieve everything oh yeah so i guess that's deepak's way of saying stay lazy yeah you know oh my god this man has done so much in his life i mean he's just had this amazing impact on our world he's written over 100 books he's a teacher an activist and, you know, we we have to mention that he was the founder of what's called the Engaged Buddhism Movement. And I was like, what the heck does that even mean? So I looked it up and I loved this so much. A bunch of people got together and took what they learned about meditation and they teach and apply it to our world in ways that many people can take and implement into social settings when healing when suffering when there's injustice when there's environmental issues so it's just basically taking what he'd learned while he became a zen master and implementing it into the world and i'm telling you if we had more of this in the world we would probably not be sitting where we're at right now facing the fear of what's happening oh my god everybody needs a tick knock on I'm serious. I wish we could clone him and put one in every city. I know. Oh, my God. It would be huge. <laughs> Shanna okay. is affected by him. Um, she, she literally will cry when he talks. If you ask me, what do you, what does Thich Nhat Hanh, what has he taught me the most? He has taught me that suffering and pain is not a bad thing. In mm-hmm. fact, always compares it to the lotus flower that with no mud, there is no lotus. And that you can transform that pain, suffering, anger, and all the bad into love, mm-hmm. into good. Yeah. So, you know, he said that at seven years old, he knew he wanted to be a monk. And here he is now. I think he's what, like 93? Yeah. Unfortunately, in 2014, he suffered from a brain hemorrhage. And since then, he's been just like rebuilding his health and last year he returned back to vietnam to live out the rest of his life mm-hmm. and there's kind of been some mixed stories out there you know i read something where his sister said he's actually doing really well mm-hmm. other people are saying he isn't doing so well mm-hmm. but share with our listeners shanna about what he would do every day in plum village oh my god so he had this thing in which one of these books is how to walk actually there's a documentary on netflix i definitely recommend you guys watch it it's called walk with me and he shows how every morning 
anybody was welcome to come and walk with him and do a walking meditation. And people would come and there would be a line of people behind him. I wish I could have done that. Oh I my know. God, I would have done anything to go just walk with him. And yeah, and that's something that was open to the public. I love it. Let's talk about together we are one. Oneness. Mm-hmm. That we are all connected. We are all mm-hmm. energy. We're all connected. Yeah. So if I'm connected to you... Why would I want to be hateful to you? Because I, you're part of me right. and I'm part of you. Yeah. I mean, truly, when you understand that we're all one right. with everything, with earth, with air, with energy, with bugs, with <laughs> right. universal oneness. So recently I read the Gospel of Thomas, one of the um, books in the Bible that were taken out of the Bible that did also share that same exact earthly and universal oneness. Mm. many books so sad it is sad because i don't know why they would have taken those out how would that hurt so one of the things that thomas had wrote in his scriptures one of the scriptures says the kingdom is inside of you and it is outside of you when you come to know yourself then you will become known in another scripture that he quoted Jesus in verse 77, he said, God is a higher dimension of consciousness, which is in everything and everywhere. So an interesting writing that was later discovered that had been removed from the original scriptures, but is definitely all about oneness. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so, all about, um, you know, energy is everywhere. We're all one. It's universal. It's found inside. There's a higher consciousness. And, you know. Um, I actually just shared this with um, someone yesterday. She is a beautiful Christian. And we were talking over the phone about how people care too much about money and not enough about each other. And how we feel like that's a problem in the world. Mm-hmm. I quoted you that meditation is listening to God and prayer is talking to God. And she said, that is so beautiful. Yeah. I think the word Buddha, mm-hmm. Buddhism. Gets, scares people. Scares sure. people. I was like you being that I was walking in light of more Christianity Right. I really was conflicted for a while. One funny thing I had read in the book, Living Buddha, Living Christ, he had one time went to a conference, a religious conference, and that there was an Indian Christian friend of his who had told the assembly that they were going to hear about lots of different beliefs and religions, but that they weren't going to make fruit salad. <laughs> We're not making fruit salad. And Tiknot Khan got up and he said, Fruit salad could be very delicious. I like fruit salad. And he went on to share with how he and a priest had shared the Eucharist. And both sides, um, both Buddhist and Catholics, were just horrified. I'll read from the book exactly what he said about this. He said, I have shared the Eucharist with Father Daniel, and our worship became possible because of the sufferings we Vietnamese and Americans have shared over the many years. Some of the Buddhists present were shocked to hear that he had participated in the Eucharist, and many Christians seemed truly horrified. But to me, he said, religious life is life. I do not see any reason to spend 
one's whole life tasting only one kind of fruit. We human beings can be nourished by the best values of many traditions. <laughs> you know, we might have different tastes. We might have different color or shapes or sizes. But when you put us all together, we make a yummy ass fruit salad. <laughs> and that we do. We do. If we could all just be a little bit more like him. Mm-hmm. And especially during this time of the year and with the election coming up and so much hate around politics. I love how when they asked Thich Nhat Hanh, what do you practice? He says, my practice is to dwell happily in the present moment during my daily activities. We do this to embrace our suffering, find joy in life, and enable ourselves to respond to the collective challenges of our time. He says the essential practice of Plum Village is I have arrived, I am home. It means happiness is possible, freedom is possible right now, right here. And Shanna actually had played a song for me that she got attached to and listened to quite oh a God. few times. It's so pretty. It's just like, it goes, I have arrived, I am home. In the here and in the now. So beautiful. They chant it. And one of the reasons why is the words, yes. And so it brings you to presence. But just the vibration of the chanting and how it feels in your body. I mean, it's beautiful. I've known you since I was 15 years old. And I'm looking at you like, wow, you actually have a beautiful voice. <laughs> I mean, there's no denying that Thich Nhat Hanh is one of the most important spiritual leaders on the planet today. We are so freaking blessed to have him on our earth. And there is no reason that anyone out there should not follow him, read his books, watch him on TV, watch the Netflix. He is nothing but love and good. And there's nothing that even as a Christian, you should fear about this man because he is love. Yeah. And all you will feel is love. Yeah. After listening to him or reading his books, all he does is promote peace in this world. We need more people like Thich Nhat Hanh. I mean, his words are poetic. Even though he is teaching on such a deep level, he's able to communicate this to even very young children to be able to understand. He has these Dharma talks where he welcomes children mm. to come and ask him questions. Mm -hmm. And those are my favorite. Like you'll hear a child saying, what do I do if like my father hurts me? Mm. Or what do I do if I'm angry? What do, what do I do with my anger? And he always has just the most perfect, beautiful, wise answers. It's just amazing. When I get angry, how do I let my anger out was the question. Are you sure that the anger is coming from the outside? That is a counter question. <laughs> In English, uh, we learn how to, to deal with our anger, how to take care of our anger. Anger in, is not something pleasant. It's like the mud, but uh, without the mud, you cannot uh, grow lotus flowers. The mud is uh, useful somehow, so your anger is useful somehow. So maybe you should not get it out. You should not throw it away. 
if you know how to make good use of your anger, you can you can grow the lotus of uh, peace, of uh, joy, of forgiveness. And this is a very teaching, very deep teaching in Plum Village. Yeah, we have been learning about this. Anger comes up not from the outside, but from the inside. Because uh, we do not understand. And that is why we cannot love. And if uh, we look deeply, uh, we listen deeply, we'll be able to understand. I love that he talks a lot about how people are angry or because they have a lot of pain within them. And that pain that resides inside of you is what turns into anger. Is the way he talks about it, you can connect to it. Yeah. It's so simple. Like I said, thought out, not confusing. I mean, I could probably explain what he explains in like five words. It'll take me like two hours. Two hours. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. He he does. He talks a lot about family. He helps a lot of like relationships and situations. Like a lot of the talks, the Dharma talks that you could find on like YouTube are a lot of times like situational. Yeah. They're pretty direct questions. Yeah. Regular old questions from regular old people. And his his answers are so profound and simple. <laughs> oh my God, they're so simple. So like simple. And one of my favorite stories that I think I heard Thich Nhat Hanh tell in the Dharma talk, senior monk and his junior monk were traveling together. And at one point they had come to a river with a very strong current. And as the monks were... Preparing to cross the river, they saw a young and beautiful woman attempting to cross. And the very young woman had asked if one of them could please help her get to the other side. Well, the two monks glanced at one another and, that you know, they had taken vows to never touch a woman. But the older monk, he picked that woman up quick, fast and carried her across the river, placed her on the other side and then carried on on his journey without a word. But the younger monk could not believe what he had just witnessed. After rejoining with his companion, he was just speechless for hours and with and just didn't talk for like the rest of their journey. And then hours had went by. Finally, the young monk could not contain himself any longer and blurted out, as monks, we are not permitted to touch a woman. How could you have carried that woman across the, across the water? And the older monk looked at him and replied, brother, I set her down on the other side of the river why are you still carrying her? And so this end story, the beautiful meaning behind it is that living in the present moment and how often we carry past emotions and resentments and in guilt and grief and how this is actually just weighing on us and hurting us. But we can choose to to let go and to put it down you know we can mm -hmm. choose to release that extra weight that's stealing our energy stealing yes, our life so the older monk probably spent those three hours taking in the world mm -hmm. looking at the beauty around him while the younger monk was so in his own head and building up this kind of worry and resentment 
and probably yeah. didn't see any of the beauty around him. And, you know, I think that this reading came perfectly in my life because I've been struggling with this lately myself. So. What steals you from your present moment? It, it steals you from here and now. Yeah. Yeah. I really needed to hear this. It's a beautiful, simple story. Mm -hmm. Just like Thich Nhat Khan's words. Yeah. I'm very guilty of holding on to things. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> this girl had the day of her life today. How many emissions places did you go to? Uh, me and Shandy, our, our truck went to four emission places yeah. today. And came to find out it can't even get an emissions. We need to look into her ancestry. I think she was... <laughs> left on a curb for a foster family and has no Ben number. <laughs> so we need to do a DNA test on her. But yeah. you know what's funny is Mandy calls me and she goes, I'm really trying to be like Tick Not Con right now, Shanna. I'm on my way to my fourth emissions place. And really, though, I was shocked at how very calm you were through all this. I was like feeling anxiety for you. Well, let me just tell it. you why. This is this is the beauty in it because I met an amazing woman at the first one who we sat oh, and talked for 10 minutes. Really? Then at the third one, I got to see your brother who I haven't seen in years. Oh yeah. And we talked right. for like an hour and it was pure <laughs> luck that I happened to drive by a store and he walked out and waved oh. me down. Oh, are you serious? And we oh, had we saw the truck. Yes. <laughs> and we had an amazing talk. Oh, that's cool. And then I got to the third one, and I was able to help a friend with the planning of a funeral of her mom. So okay. I found the light in all of it. Yeah, you sure did. And because... someone took a picture of me driving and sent it to you, so clearly we were advertising right. as I was driving. Yes, yes, that's yeah. true. But it's true. I mean, you can go around just hating life and being pissed off that everything's going wrong. Or you can just be in the present moment and just kind of go with the flow mm -hmm. and don't let, you know, these little things bother you throughout your day. Let them go. Let them go. Let don't them go. carry that, you know, yeah. put it down and don't keep carrying it. Listen to this man. Do it. it it's life changing. It is life changing. He's that powerful. His light shines that bright. So our next episode's about special guests with me and Shanna had an awesome interview with a young man by the name of Darian who is shining light into our community who mm -hmm. decided to turn his pain into his purpose and then I think we're going to do Martin Luther King around Martin Luther King Day especially since we just touched um, on his how he acknowledged Thich Nhat Hanh in that connection so I just think that we're just going to be highlighting very special people in this month of January, January. 2020 yeah yeah that's cool i love where our podcast goes we just flow and yeah, it goes it's just leading us and we're just yeah. the instruments here and we have our first full moon Please. so put your crystals out let them soak up some of that moonlight bring awareness to it because we know that can affect us and if you're local come check out our sense of soul truck and you can find us on www.mysenseofsoul.com and um pray for shandy to find an identity we're yeah. taking her to the Colorado Revenue Office tomorrow so that they can actually document her and figure out where she's from. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> she's an orphan. Her VIN number is not documented. I just hope they don't, like, arrest us for, like, a stolen vehicle. <laughs> so hopefully we'll see you next week. <laughs> 
Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.